church, are you ready for God's word? Are you? All right, I like that third service. You guys have a heart for God's word, I can tell. And uh, today, I'm going to conclude my message on, uh, or my sermon series entitled An Attitude of Gratitude. Now, some of you are thinking, didn't that conclude last week? I love that. Jay's, uh, Jay is paying attention. I thought it concluded last week. But if you remember when I started it, I said, I'm thinking three, four messages. And I even shared it then. I said, but I've got, I got the feeling that God might have more. I didn't know what. And so I thought, okay, Lord, I haven't heard anything. Last week is uh, being, <laughs> what are you ladies doing? Because <laughs> I, I can hear what's going on over there. But listen, I, I thought God might have more, but I hadn't heard from him. So I thought, well, let's just conclude it and move on. And I'm, I'm going through this week and all of a sudden, um, a country song inspired me. And God used the country song to speak to me. Come on, how many of you know, are you know, celebrating right now? I knew country music was from God. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to go that far. But I am going to say that God will use almost anything if you're listening. And he can. He's used a donkey. He's used a number of ways. The point is, are you listening? And sometimes the enemy can get us so busy, it's hard to hear God. Isn't it true? We get so wrapped up in doing and wanting and, and striving and working. And we get, what's called, we get in what's called the rat race. And it's hard to hear God. It's hard to hear God. And so today I just want you to, to consider what I'm going to share with you. For some, it's going to be hard to hear. So I'm just going to tell you that up front. It's going to be hard to hear. But I want to ask you a question. Am I sharing this for me or is it God's word that I'm going to read to you? And I'll explain some of God's word, but I want you to just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Amen? And so we're going to talk about uh, Sundays and a seven-day rest cycle that God put in place. He put it in place in the Old Testament and carried it through through to the New Testament. And I've entitled this message, That's What I Love About Sundays. Now, some of you are going, ah, I know what country song you're talking about. Others are going, I have no clue what country song you're talking about. But maybe you'll hear it later on. That's what I love about Sundays. Point number one is God created this cycle of Sundays to bless you by refreshing you. So point number one, God wants to refresh you. He wants to give you rest and revive you. How many of you know that's important? It's very important to be revived, to be able to inhale and just catch your breath. And it's as, it's, it's as if the week is a, is a race. You know, you're racing, you're working, you're running around. And, and Sunday's meant to be that time where you just inhale, catch your breath, and get ready for the next week. We need it. We absolutely need it. And it's so, so important. As a matter of fact, God's word says it. And do you realize that he says it before the Ten Commandments? What does that mean? That means before he put it in the ten, the big ten, and before Moses went up on the mountain, God already had instituted this principle. Why? Because it's that important. 
Then he re-emphasizes it in the Ten Commandments. He emphasizes it after the Ten Commandments. He emphasizes it after that. And it goes on through into the New Testament. Why is God putting so much emphasis on this idea of a seven-day cycle? I'll tell you why. Because he loves you. And his heart is for you. And so I want you to think about, you have six days that God created. He created, you know, the the sea and the land and the moon and the stars. And he created the atmosphere and he's creating animals. He's creating all of these things. We're his crown creation. On the sixth day, he breathes life into man and woman. And on the seventh day, the Bible says he does what? He rested. Now, let me ask you this. The king of glory that's all powerful, did he need to rest? Why would he rest then? He rested because he was setting an example for us. And he was setting forth the cycle so that we would observe it. And so this is why the the Old Testament puts so much emphasis on this because we need it. Listen to what Exodus says. Exodus 16, 23 through 30 says... Then he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance. A holy Sabbath to the Lord. A holy seventh day to the Lord. Now watch this. Bake what you will bake, boil what you will boil, and all that is left over put aside to be kept until the morning. So they put it aside until the morning as Moses had ordered And it did not stink, nor was there a maggot in it. Then Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, that is a Sabbath and there will be none. So what's going on here? Moses has just brought the children of of Israel out of Egypt. Now think about this. You've just left your homeland where you were slaves and you're moving to a new promised land. But you're nomads. Where do you get food? I tell you what, your great provider is providing them. Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides, starts raining down manna, manna from heaven. This is this heavenly food that they were to go and gather, but not on the seventh day. Why? Because God was instituting this this rhythm, this rhythm of rest and how necessary it was. Now, this is what he said. Every other day, I want you to get just enough for that day. But on the sixth day, you're going to have to get double because on, on the seventh day, there will be no work. No work because it's holy. It's set apart. It has a purpose. Yet it came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they found what? Now, let me ask you this. God just said on the seventh day, don't do this. And there's always those. Am I right? Let me ask you this. Are you those? I hope it's not you. Because there's always someone that goes, I know God said there wasn't going to be any, but I forgot and I'm going to go check. And there's none. And so watch this. There was none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you a Sabbath. For that reason, he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. Remain 
uh, everyone in his place. No one is to leave his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. That was, he's, he's setting the ground floor of how important this is. We go now to Exodus 20. Exodus 20, he emphasizes it again. Now stay with me on this. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it, you shall not do work. In it, you shall do no work. Now watch this. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, not even your cattle. Can I put it in today's terms? Don't have your dog, your cat, your horse. No one in your house needs to be doing any work on one day out of the week. Now, I know for some of us, it's going to be hard to hear this, but I'm trying to help you if you let me. I'm trying to help you if you let me because I want to read this. And it's from a book that I've had the the privilege of reading most of it. It's called Take the Day Off by Pastor Robert Morris. Now, for the past five years, I've been going to a conference at his church for pastors. And I'll never forget, years ago, he preached this message to pastors. How important it is for us to honor the Sabbath. And this is what he said. He made a very important statement that stuck with me. He said, it's one of the Ten Commandments. And yet it's the one we always ignore. He says, most of you would never commit adultery or plan on committing adultery. Most of you would never plan on murdering or stealing or lying or putting up an idol in your church office. But yet you think nothing of ignoring a Sabbath, the seven-day cycle of rest. And so he wrote this in his book, and uh, I want to read it to you. It's, uh, It's the beginning of chapter two. He says, the report submitted to the government of Japan, simply called him Mr. A to protect his identity. But we're going to call him Mr. Asako. He had worked for several years at a major Japanese snack food processing company, often putting in as many as 110 hours each week. Just to put it into perspective, That's more than two and a half 40-hour work weeks jammed into one. To log 110 hours in a week requires working nearly 16-hour days for seven days. He did this week after week, year after year. They found Mr. Asako dead at his workstation, the victim of a heart attack. The sad thing is, he was 34 years old. 34 years old. He goes on to say that this phenomenon is sweeping across the Asian culture and they're giving it a name. He writes the name in Japanese and he writes the name that the Chinese have given it and even the Korean cultures, of which I cannot pronounce any of them. But can I tell you, it's not just in Asia. It's also happening here because we're we're forgetting our Christian work ethic. And we're thinking that by working more and working harder, we can advance more. When in fact, God says, by trusting me less, you're going to suffer more. 
And so this is a really a message about God's heart for you and how God loves us and doesn't want to see us in this condition. He wants to see us blessed. And so he goes on to say, I don't want anyone working, not your cattle, not your son, your daughters, your servants. No one gets to work. Listen to verse 11. For in six days, God made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it, made it holy. You know what he's saying? He's saying if you trust God on that seventh day, God's going to bless you. And this is what he means. He says when, you're at your, when you rest, you'll be at your best. That means what you get on that seventh day will bless your next six days like you won't believe. How many of us have ever been at our wit's end? We have trouble putting words together. I know I have. I've been so stressed before and so overworked that I have trouble concentrating on the words. And I start thinking, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? I'll tell you what was wrong with me. I was exhausted. I was exhausted. And it's like Vince Lombardi said, fatigue and exhaustion makes cowards of us all. He says, I don't care. You give me the biggest guys. If they get tired and fatigued, there'll be nobodies. The truth is, to be at our best, we have to rest. We have to rest. Now you say, but pastor, pastor, come on. That's Old Testament. And we don't live under the Old Testament law. We live under grace. So all that has been forgotten. So let me ask you this. Does that mean uh, thou shalt not commit adultery no longer applies? How about thou shalt not murder? Does that no longer apply? Why is it that the rest of the nine apply, but not what? The Sabbath. What I'm trying to tell you is, yes, we don't live under the law in that, in that I, I need you to understand this. Do you realize that out of the 10 commandments, only four carry the death penalty and honor the Sabbath is one of them? So yes, we're not going to be put to death by the priests and the governing bodies. But can I tell you, we'll still suffer the consequences of not living to God's full blessing on our lives. So, so stay with me on this. You might be thinking, but pastor, the Sabbath was Saturday. Why are you talking in terms of Sunday? It's a seven-day rest cycle. What do I mean by that? Work six, rest seven. And the New Testament church began to honor Sunday as their Sabbath because their Savior was raised from the dead on Sunday. You say, oh, wait a minute. How does that work? I'll tell you how it works. The Sabbath is for rest. Jesus came to what? Give you rest. What did Jesus say? Come to me if you're weary. Come to me if you're tired, if you're heavy laden. Put your trust in me and I will give you rest. Do you realize the Bible says that Jesus is our ultimate rest in glory? When we get to heaven, we will be at rest. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more anything will be at rest. Jesus is our rest. Now watch this. Seven days, the Sabbath on Saturday. Seven means completeness. Who came to complete the plan of God? Jesus came to complete the plan of God. It was on the cross that he said, what? It is finished. 
When did he raise, rise from the dead? He rose from the dead on the eighth day or the first day of the week, Sunday. What does eight mean? It means I completed it and now there's a new beginning. So the church started a new beginning. The cycle now goes from the end to the beginning. Why? Because we have new life in Christ. We have a new creation in Christ. Everything has been made new in Christ. And we look forward to entering our final rest in glory in Christ, through Christ, because of Christ, and with Christ. So it's a Sunday celebration. It's a Sunday celebration. You see this in Acts 27. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together, they broke bread. Paul brought a message. He preached the word of God. Come on, how many of you would have loved to have Paul preach the word of God to you? Um, maybe not. You'd have been there all day. But, <laughs> but the apostle Paul preached on that church Sunday. How about in 1 Corinthians 16, 2? He says, hey, when we get together for our Sunday service, that's what he's saying here. On the first day of the week, let each of you have planned what you're going to bring for offering. Because we need to pick up the offering and get to the preaching of God's word. That's what he's saying. Listen to what John says in the Revelation. He says this. It was in the spirit on the Lord's day. What's the Lord's day? The day that God raised him from the, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That was Sunday. It was on the Lord's day. And so the church began to meet on the Lord's day. How important is it to come to church on Sunday? Super important. As a matter of fact, these are the top two things that I ask every new person that comes to foundation to do. Show up regularly. Look. If you want to connect with God, you see that first part up there? See about the little church house? Attend regularly. That means get on that cycle. Get on that blessed seven-day rest cycle where you come into God's house, you honor him, you inhale his goodness and say, God, I need to give you last week. I trust you for next week, for this week. I'm just going to get right with you. And then you give faithfully. That's what we've been talking about. Trusting God with your time. Trusting God in your finances. Do you realize when people start doing this, they need very little counseling? I've noticed when people don't do this, there's a lot of counseling needed. And I'm like, you know why? Because you're not getting the most important thing. That's the connection with God. You need to connect with God. Can I get an amen? I'm trying to help somebody here. I'm trying to help you. I'm telling you, this is important. And that's what God's word is emphasizing here. Now I want you to think about the Ten Commandments, right? Don't have any other gods. Don't put uh, uh, idols up. Don't use my name in vain. What's the next ones? Honor your father and your mother. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. All of these things. But the Sabbath... We don't really consider it that important. Why? You know, was, uh, Pastor Robert was preaching this at that pastor's conference years ago. And he said something like this. He said, I used to think that Sunday was my Sabbath, but I'm actually working. And I thought, wow, that's true. Sunday's one of my hardest days. I have to get up early 
if the enemy's going to mess with me, it's always that sun, Saturday night into Sunday morning. You know, it takes an amazing amount of energy. And I think as times get tougher, pastors are, are finding more and more that the enemy doesn't want his word going out. And the other day, we had Brother Laz Foz, who was here in second service. He was teaching the youth, and he came up to me, and he said, Pastor, I don't know how you do it. I said, what do you mean, Pastor, Brother? He says, I, I'm preparing for Wednesday night, and I'm exhausted. I just feel like the enemy's coming against me. I feel this heaviness on my heart. I have this desire to do my best. And then I shared the message, and it, like, emptied me. It does. So I asked in first service, you know, Jamie, Brother Jamie, uh, Savannah, and Brady Webster, they fill in for me. I said, how do you feel after filling in for me on a Sunday? He said, we're wiped out. Because that's not my day of rest. This is my day of giving God what he's calling me to do. So Pastor Robert said, my day of rest is on Monday. Mine happens to be on Friday. On Monday, and one of my staff members said, Pastor Robert, I know that your day of rest is on Monday. However, can we schedule? What is that doing? That's making light of the Sabbath. So this is what he said to him. He said, young man, why don't you ask me to commit adultery on my wife too while you're at it? Why don't we go knock off a 7-Eleven? Anybody gets in our way, let's shoot them. Let's just break all the commandments. If we're going to be that, that cavalier and, and just give it no regard, why should we keep any of them? The young man said, I'm so sorry, Pastor. We were sit, I was sitting where you're, here, where you're at, and I listened to that, and I thought, wow, that's an interesting way of putting it. I've never equated the Sabbath with adultery on the same list of ten. But yet it's right here and it's number four. What does that say to your heart? What is God saying? Is God saying, hey, maybe we need to look at this again. Maybe we need to consider what he's, what he's really asking. So I've read out of Exodus 16, Exodus 20. How about Exodus 31? You say, Pastor, why are you reading so many? Because I want you to know beyond a saddle of the doubt, this is not my idea. This is God's idea. And he keeps bringing it up and bringing it up and bringing it up and bringing it up. Maybe he has a purpose. Let's see if we can find the purpose. It says, you shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. Point number two. Not only does he want to re refresh you, he wants to remind you. Remind you of what? That you need to rest. That you are made. Listen, we're going to read a mess, a, 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 a psalm from, from, from the psalmist that says, we are made a little lower than the angels. What does that mean? We're not supernatural. You wear out. You get tired. We all get tired. 
And we get afraid and we get frustrated and it will hurt your marriage. It will hurt your family relationship. It will hurt your church. It will hurt everything when you ignore this. And so God is saying, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. But, but watch this. Number, point number two is he wants to remind you. Why does he want to remind you? Because when you remember, then you trust him. When we forget, how many times did he tell Israel, remember? He used to tell them, hey, look, I brought you out of Egypt. Remember, I'm the one who led you in the wilderness. Remember, I provided from heaven. Remember, I guarded you with a cloud and a pillar of fire. Remember, remember, I split the Red Sea. Now, every time he would say, remember, they would what? They would forget. And some of us are saying, I'm, thank God I'm not like those people. Guess what? People are people are people. Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. People are people. If they forgot, guess what? We, we're forgetful too. So God has set up a system, a rhythm by which every seven days we get to be reminded. We get to connect with him and reflect on his goodness. That's what point number two is. It's about reflection and reminding ourselves. Reminding ourselves of what? That God is serious about this. Watch. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but on the seventh day, it is a Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Twice, he says it. I can see some of your reaction. Pastor, you're going too far. I'm just reading his word. Yes, but we operate under grace. And for that reason, none of us have died. But hear his heart. Hear your king's heart. There's a story. One pastor calls another pastor to try to get on each other's schedule. This pastor says, how about this day? This one says, no, how about this day? How about this day? They're going back and forth. They have very busy schedules. Finally, this one says to, to, the, to his friend, how about Thursday? He says, oh, Thursday, I have nothing. He says, great, put me down. He says, no, you're not hearing me. Thursday, I've purposed myself to do nothing. Great, then I can be something. No, you don't get it. It's my Sabbath. And when we get together, I'd love to tell you about it. They get together. They begin to talk. And he says, tell me about what you had mentioned the other day. Oh, I'd love to. See, when I was rounding about 50 years old, I found myself in a tremendous health crisis. My health was failing. I went into the hospital. I was, I was going down very rapidly. They started hooking up all these devices and running all these tests. You know how it goes. And they couldn't find out what was wrong with me other than that my body was betraying me and was shutting down. My vital organs were beginning to quit. And they said, you need to call your family. You will more than likely not leave this place. Put your affairs in order. That night, he began to weep bitterly before the Lord. Lord, I don't want to die. I've served you hard all my life. Why are you doing this to me? This pastor's telling him, the Lord told me, I'm not doing anything to you. You did it to you. 
So what do you mean? I've been faithful. I've worked hard. But you've never honored a Sabbath. See, it's one thing to say, because I know what we're thinking. When you're 20 or 30, I used to be 20 or 30, I don't need rest. What you do at 20 or 30 will affect you at 50. Amen? It will affect you at 60, at 70. What God was saying is you have been neglecting. See, this is the thing. We may not be put to death in the Old Testament way. But if you disregard God's advice, there are consequences. And God was saying, this is the consequence. So the man began to weep and kept weeping and said, Lord, if I bitterly, you know, not bitterly, but he was bitterly repenting. He says, if I repent with my whole heart, would you forgive me? And the Lord said, yes, I'll forgive you. Then Lord, forgive me. He began to feel strengthened. That night he got more and more strengthened. Early, early morning hours as they were doing shift change, he ripped off all the, the, the hookups and he walked out of that hospital. He was telling this story 20 years later. God gave him new life. But he showed him a valuable lesson. I've put things in there not for, God doesn't need our rest. We need the rest that God is providing for us. Amen? You're not going to be at your best without rest. And so this is what the Bible says in case you're thinking, yeah, but that was for then. Read verse 16. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. What does perpetual mean? What does perpetual mean? It goes on and on and on without end. Wait a minute. We're not Israelites. No, you're not Israelites in the traditional sense. But Jesus did say this. If you believe in me and receive me, then you are the seed of Abraham. What does that mean? You are the what? Seed of Abraham. That means maybe this pertains to you and me. And it goes on and on and on. Yeah, but it'll end when the world ends. No, no, no. When we are in glory, he is our ultimate rest. We talked about that. The book of Revelations addresses that. And we will, what? Continuously, without end, be in Jesus' rest. But it's something we have to start now. You say, but what, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Listen, this is what he means. Learn to trust me now so you can enjoy later. That's what faith is. Saying, Lord, I want to walk with you. I don't put it in my hands. You know what? I put it in your hands. I believe that when I give 10%, you bless the 90. When I give you a day of rest, you bless the other six. You are the... This is what he says. He says, it is a sign between me and the children. My children. That means when we trust God, the rest of the world goes, how do they do that? Can I give you a good example? You drive by it every day on 71. It's in the parking lot of Lowe's. And it's called Chick-fil-A. 
and they closed down one day a week. But if you look the other six days, they got so much business, they don't know what to do with it. Am I right? God is saying, trust me. Trust me. And it's an indication that I'm with you. And that's a good testimony to other people. A good testimony to other people. So stay with me on this. Listen to what he says. For in six days, God made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. Isn't it interesting? He keeps pointing back to creation with this whole idea of rest. You're going to see in David's psalm, in the psalm, watch in a minute. He was refreshed. It means he's been exhaling. He's been exhaling. He's been exhaling. That word in the Hebrew means to inhale. How did he create Adam? He got personal with him, formed him with his hands, and then he breathed into him, right? The breath of life. But then he sat back and goes, "Ah, it's good. And he's basically telling you at some point, you've got to sit back and catch your breath. Amen? Anyone here say, I could go for a catching of my breath? I could. Pastor, thank you, because I do. I do need to see the importance in this. And then last but not least, to refresh, to remind and reflect. Well, let's read the verse from David and we'll go into the last one. To remind and reflect, Psalms 8, 3 through 9. Watch this. When I consider your heavens, didn't God just keep showing us? I created everything and I rested. Now I want you on that day of rest to consider what I did. Watch what he said. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars that you set in place, I start to think to myself, you know what David is saying? It requires time. You have to have margin. If you're running around chasing your tail all day long, you never have time to just go out and say, man, Lord, look how awesome your creation is. When you say, Lord, look how awesome your creation is, it can't, it it leads you to a certain place. You know where it leads you? To go, man, Lord, if you're this big and this awesome, how special am I that you love me? And that you would send your son for me. And then what he says, look, read it. And yet you have made him a little lower than the angels, crowned him with all glory. No, verse four, and a son of man that you are concerned about him. I think I missed it. You can go, go down in the, in, the, in the psalm and he talks about that you would, you would step into my world for me. That you would love me that much. It requires time. So last but not least, he wants you to know his heart. He wants you to know his heart. He wants to revive, refresh you. He wants to remind you. And then he wants you, he wants you to have a relationship with him. That's number three. So this song I was listening to, I think I'm gonna play it for you. And as I play it for you, I want you to pick out a couple of things. Pick out the nostalgia behind it, how he remembers fondly, how he emphasizes doing nothing. How he emphasizes connecting with different families. Even the mean little freckle-faced kid that broke a window last week. And then he talks about a certain couple getting married and celebrating with them. He talks about baptism. He talks about eating Sunday meals with family. He talks about a lot of things. 
Listen to it. Raymond's in a Sunday best. He's usually up to his chest in old Greece. There's a Martin's walking in. With that mean little freckle-faced kid Who broke a window last week Sweet Miss Betty likes to sing off key In the pew behind me That's what I love about Sundays Sing along as the choir sways Every verse of amazing grace Then we shake the preacher's hand Go home and do your blue jeans some chicken and some baked beans Pick a backyard football team Nothing much of anything That's what I love about Sundays What do you love about Sundays? Keep listening I stroll to the end of the drive Pick up the Sunday times Grab a coffee cup he has time to relax. Like Sally and Ron, finally tied the knot. It's about time. There's 35 cents off the ground, round, baby. Cut that cute ball down. That's what I love about Sunday. Cat it on the porch swing. You curled up next to me. Smell the jazz and wakes us up. Take a walk down a back road. Tackle box and a cave hole. Carve our names in that wide oak. I still the kids as the sun fades. That's what I love about Sunday. One more verse. Listen to this one. This is the best verse. Come on. If that doesn't stir your heart, I don't know what does. There's something beautiful about God's day. Something amazing about God's family. About his love reviving and refreshing us. You know what? When I hear that, I'm like, I want my children to remember with the fondness I remember. My mama on the front row giving her king praise. That's what, that's what they see in her. That's what they see in you as you raise your children in this, in this beautiful cycle of love. It's a cycle of rest because God loves you. And God is saying, stop chasing the worldly dream. They try to sell it as the American dream. It's the American nightmare. Stop it. Stop it. Get in my rest. Get in a cycle of love that will go from year after year after year, from generation to generation. And God says, I will bless you from generation to generation to generation. I will be with you. The whole world will be envious of you and you will be my testimony to them that I am faithful. 
I am faithful, God says. I am faithful. Experience my faithfulness. I love that. There are the Martins walking in with that mean little freckle-faced kid, right? That mean freckle-faced kid that broke a window last week. You know what I think about? I think of me. And the countless, I don't have freckle face, but I broke plenty of windows. And I snuck out and I did all kinds of crazy things. But I had plenty of great men of faith, men of God that would look at me and say, someday God's going to use you. Oh, he's going to turn that around. We're glad you're here. We love you. Come on. That's what I love about Sundays. I love that about Sundays. Because ultimately, number three is the most important thing. He wants you to have a relationship with him. At the end of the day, it's not going to matter what you did at work, how big your company was, or your house, or your yard, or any other thing you did. What's going to matter is your relationship with him and those in your circle. That's why when they ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love God and love others. Love God and love others. Okay, so this is where we finish. Relationship. You go, well, pastor, you've talked all about the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Do you realize they tried to catch Jesus on the Sabbath doing stuff all the time? Why? Because it had one, it was one of the major four that had the death penalty. And ultimately they wanted to what? Kill him. So on one occasion, his disciples are in the field picking something to eat. It's right here in Mark chapter 2. Now it happened that when they went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, look, why do they do what is unlawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was hungry? So Jesus is saying, we're not under the law. I didn't come to keep you under the law. I came to fulfill the law. But that doesn't mean I came to abolish it. As a matter of fact, he said, I will not abolish any of the law. I will fulfill it. I'll show you the real meaning behind it, which is God's heart for you. God's heart for you. Watch. Go to, go to Luke 14. And it happened that when he was in the house of one of the leaders who was a Pharisee on the Sabbath to eat with them, They were watching him very closely and in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy or or sickness. And he knows what they're thinking. We put this man here to see if Jesus would heal him and guess what Jesus is going to do? He's going to heal him. But he already knows what they're thinking because they're watching him like this. So Jesus says this to them. Watch, read it right there. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They stayed real quiet. Which one of you who has a son or an ox or someone they care about who falls into trouble will not do everything they can to help them out? What is Jesus asking? I'll tell you what he's asking. He's asking, what is God's heart? Remember, Jesus came to fulfill the law. How do you fulfill the law? You touch God's heart. He's saying, what is God's heart? This man needs help. What is God's heart? He's saying, what is God's heart? Now I'm asking you, what is God's heart? 
What is God's heart? But we just talked about it. That you would be rested. That you would experience this beautiful cycle of life that he instituted so that you could be at your best. So that you can experience what real living is like. Real living. Not this rat race that people are catching themselves up in. And we have anxiety and worry and stress going through the roof. Alcoholism and drugs. Why? Tell you why. They're ignoring God's heart. What is God's heart? I put this in place. Not to hammer you with it. To bless you with it. To bless you. And that's why Jesus says, I'm going to heal this person and you're going to act like I should be stoned. But God's heart is not the law. It's you. You. That means it's for your good. So if you're here and you're upset, you've missed his heart. He loves you. He wants to bless you. So that's what he says. He goes, he says, if you have an accident, my disciples needed something to eat. It's not something they do all the time. I honor the Sabbath because you might be thinking, well, pastor, does that mean I can't work at all on the Sabbath? I can't do anything? If you have an emergency, Jesus says God's heart is go take care of it. If your ox falls in a ditch or in a well, take care of it, right? Take care of it. But what if your ox keeps falling in the ditch? Come on now. Let's just be real. It's been a year of the, 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 the ox falling in the same ditch. Right? then that's not God's heart. (laughs) That's you taking advantage of God's heart. And ultimately, you're the one that suffers. So this is where I end and say, if your ox keeps falling in the ditch, then get with God right now, right now, and just pray. Just say, God, show me another way. I know your heart is for my family, for, for, for me. Show me another way, but begin to break through because I don't want to do this like this anymore. I want to get on your rhythm. Your rhythm of rest. Your seven-day cycle of blessing, amen? If you're here today, I want you to ask just right quick, Holy Spirit, what are you sharing with me? Speak to my heart, Holy Spirit. Share the heart of the Father with me. Share the heart of the Father with me. Share the heart of the Father with me. I know you want to bless me, Lord. I know you have good things in store for me. Help me to trust you. And I'm going to pray that every time you drive by Chick-fil-A, it speaks to you. I mean, it speaks to you loud and clear that God is faithful. Amen. (laughs) It's between you and the Lord. Between you and the Lord. Just ask, Lord, what are you speaking to me? What are you sharing?
I know he's speaking to me. Four or five years ago, I got very convicted after hearing Pastor Robert preach this. I started making all kinds of changes, but you know what happens? Start forgetting. And it kind of starts creeping in again, going back to the old. Maybe you're like me. I got to renew to honoring God's heart for me. So that I can be the best I can be for my family, for you. And ultimately live a good life to serve him. Lord, as you speak to your people, as you speak to us, as you speak to me, I just want to thank you for your son, Jesus. Declare that I'm grateful for the body that was broken, the blood that was shed, that we might have life and ultimately enter into your rest. Thank you, Lord. Until you return. Amen. Church, I love you. Have a great, great week.